everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 238, Owned or Pwned? Recorded May 22nd, 2016, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the only show on the internet where geeks rant. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroach, and joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the Command Line Godfather Neves, and Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Mark, Seth, everyone out there in internet land. I hope you had a great week. Hey, everybody. It is so nice to see you one last time for a while. Yes, this will be the last time for uh, a few weeks. I'm not sure. Uh, six weeks-ish. Uh, we will. We, we talked about it before. You won't miss a show. We're just not recording a show the lights are on but no one's home <laughs> we're pre-recording some things uh we're gonna be gone uh until the second week in july we'll be back on july uh, 8 15th 14th what's that something like that july if only there was a calendar july 13th will be our next live show with you but don't worry you won't miss excellent content because we have six canned shows ready to go fresh uh, fresh canned just pop it and it goes psh, when you open it up. It'll be ready to go. At least we hope it does. Yeah. Not to be confused with spam, but. <laughs> so I, I just have to say, um, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, well, not a fan, but I believe it's important to own up to one's mistakes publicly. And I, I've always been about openness and, and honesty here on this show. Um, it is with, with humility and, and, um, great sadness that I come to you tonight and tell you that I have failed as a parent. <gasps> at, what did you do at this very moment not 15 feet away from me my children are watching the phantom menace you are subjecting them to the phantom mentis no 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 mark this is awesome parenting because now when you ridicule it to them they will have points that they can see you are indeed right and if you will establish your trust in this so when you tell them something else is bad they'll go dad's right i don't even want to try you know sometimes so this is great parenting. you just let to have to let your kids have what they want even if it's not good for them sometimes you have to let them pig out on halloween candy knowing they're going to get sick just so that they can learn the lesson that picking out on Halloween candy makes you sick. And the two uh, youngest ones uh, have, have got it through their head that they must see the prequels. Um, and so they badgered me until, wow. I, I mean, as we speak, Jar Jar Binks is in my living room. Oh, I feel sorry for you, man. Yes. I really, really do. Yeah, Sometimes as a parent, you just have to let them go down their own path. And and just be willing to to clean up the mess afterwards. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're they're watching it right now. I, I had to not only admit that the prequels exist, but show them to my family. Um, it's sad. It's it's a it's a black day in the cockerel household. But uh, you know, just one, just a, just a black day because this is going to go over multiple days. Uh, yeah, and and what's even worse is they're liking it. <gasps> no. no 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 that's that's no, no well no. they're kids and that's what jar jar was for so you know when they get older they'll realize it just my, my heart breaks i i'm i am in mourning i am grieving the loss <laughs> of of good taste of of it's i hope this is just a phase i hope they'll outgrow it and someday they'll come back to me uh but <laughs> but you know or now I just have to have to let them walk down this path. What you should do is then to uh, balance it is hand them the ones that can handle it, the books of uh, the Wheel of Time series, because that's such a great series. It might wash away Jar Jar Binks. I don't know. I don't, can can anything remove that stain out out? No, I've been spot. trying for years. Yes. Uh, so there's there's my shame there uh, for all to see. Um, Seth, bring me out of my doldrums and share your triumph with me. Well, it's not a triumph yet, but I'm, looks like I'm going to run my next 5k this Saturday. Cause that's like the last Saturday in the month and <laughs> my, my work's get, man, you know, I've been working, um, overnights like at different Walmarts around. So the S is meant there, everybody. Um, and so it's kind of hard, you know, 
to have normal hours and then that. So I'm not working any this week because there's no schedules. So I'm going to keep my regular schedule and get my running in. I just, before I register, I have to find out if they're still going to have it, even if it rains, but yay, my one 5k a month is still going to continue. And if it gets rained out, I don't know what I'm going to do, but that's not me breaking it. That's God telling me to take a break. Well, you so, have to uh, do two in June if your main yeah. gets rained out. But, you know, th- that's not my fault because a- I was going to before the weather It's not your me, fault so. that you waited until the very last moment, the last 12-hour span possible. <laughs> Pretty much everyone I've done has been the last week <laughs> of the month. <laughs> so, yeah, that's well, At least you're consistent. Yeah. I, I I applaud you, man. Uh, whether they're every month or not, twelve five Ks in a year is 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 about eleven and a half more than I could run. So uh, my hats off to you. Yeah, I'm I am trying. This the ones last week were very hard for me to do, but um, I got them done. And so now, you know, I mean, I broke forty last time, so I've got to keep that, and that's going to be it's going to be hard. You know, in, in five, six years, you'll be looking at, back on this and, and laughing at yourself saying, I, I could barely, I could barely do 40. Now I'm running them in, you know, nine minutes flat. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I'd be on the Olympic team or something. <laughs> I don't, cause I don't know, you know, I'm at the age where everybody who was running time start going down anyway. So I don't know how much more I'll improve before <laughs> I hit that level and start going down. Yeah. Th- then you start getting things like best in your age group. Instead of just best. Actually, I won uh, the last one I did. I got third place in my age group. I think there might have only been three of us in my age group, but I did hey, medal. It's in a, so. it's a pretty good try, though. <laughs> yeah, and the age groups are uh, 20 and under, 20 to 40, and then the rest. So, Well, they did by 10, so okay. I'm in the like 40 to the 40s. I, and Sean, who who uh, listeners of the uh, Element OP Network will know, uh, Sean Kybel, uh he's uh, running triathlons now, and uh, he's oh, really? he's finishing uh, routinely one top one or two in his class. Um, but you know, it's it's like you said, Seth. There's there's five, six, seven people in his class because it's the forty five and up class or forty to forty five, whatever it is. But you know, hats off to him. He he uh he took that challenge uh, from a friend friend of his uh maybe two years ago, and he's been doing uh uh triathlons a couple times, three or four times a year. I think quarterly is what he's shooting for. He's he's working his wow. way up to the the official Ironman at some point. I think right now he's doing many tries, um, which is only like a two mile swim and only a twenty mile bike ride and only a half marathon, uh, slackers. <laughs> You know, I wish I could find some people around here to run with me because I would like to move up to like, you know, maybe five miles um, and to do eventually 10 Ks. But man, you know, running around my driveway for 45 minutes is hard enough. I would not want to do that for an hour and a half. Yeah, having a buddy There's to only, run with makes a difference. It does. It really does. All right. Okay, that's, that's all I got. Yeah. Sorry. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I have some uh, some feedback from the audience from some mini rants. I'm not going to post them here because most of them contain spoilers. But shockingly, it it really it caught me off guard. Shockingly, the internet disagrees with me, um, <laughs> specifically about my comments on Civil War. Apparently, it's the best movie Marvel's ever. In fact, it's the best movie ever. There's never been a movie that is close to as good as Civil War. Um, so I stand corrected internet. Huh. But you know, that's, what's also all over the, uh, you know, all the news sites and all the other movie sites and everything else is that civil war was the best ever. I get to see it. So I can't pass judgment. So Avengers to me was the highlight. It was the high watermark of the, um, modern superhero, um, movie experience. It goes. Again, it goes. Avengers, first Iron Man, uh, and then probably Thor. Uh, se- uh, second Thor is my ranking of top three. You thought the second Thor was better than the first Thor? The first Thor was weak. Second Thor at least was funny and witty and and had some some uh, enjoyable uh, moments. Yeah the the whole Rene Russo turning from an inept 
princess to warrior goddess, which, you know, Odin's wife should be warrior exactly. goddess. But but in the first movie, I mean, she tripped over the sword she was holding in her hand. <laughs> I don't know how you trip over a sword you're holding in your hand, but she did. Well, it had been and a few millennia movie, since she did it. Yeah. yeah but in the second movie, she was a swirling dervish of destruction. She's been training. Yeah. But anyway, that to me, I know there were lots of things you could pick up on, but that was the one thing that ruined the continuity for me. I still haven't been able to get over it, obviously. I, I really think what's missing in the most recent ones is is Whedonness. Whatever Whedon brings, that 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 ineffable quality. There's de- certainly humor, but it's not just humor. It's it's lightheartedness. There's a certain pace to his stuff, and and it's missing. Uh, and and I think that's. Uh, I think that's why Avengers uh, and and Thor, uh, Dark World, uh, and of course Iron Man was was not Whedon at all, but it was it was a very different ethos, and it was and admittedly the the ultimate battle scene was was pretty comical, but again we're talking about a comic book movie, so comical not in the sense of funny, but comical is in the sense of over the top, and uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges was as over the top as you could get, uh, and it worked. So anyway, that's my ranking of the Marvel movies so far. And there you go. And Civil War is is you know four or five down. You know, I, in fact, I might I, I've just changed my mind. Winter Soldier goes above either of the Thor movies. Winter Soldier was a really outstanding movie. Yeah, I would place uh, with the I would place the Civil War higher than any of the Phase Two except Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man. See, Ant Man didn't impress me that much. It was fine, but that's as far as it went. It was fine. I like. I it was. It was. I don't know. The the humor in it really did it for me. Um, it to me, like I say, those two were the best of the Phase Two movies, in my opinion. I was really let down by everything else, especially uh, of the other, the second Avengers. But yeah, well, yeah, the old who wasn't the old maybe ten days of Ultron. <laughs> It wasn't an age. It was barely a week. Okay, moving on. Wolfgang says, I was too hard on iOS. Hello, fellow geeks. I've been enjoying your show for about eight months now and counting. I enjoy the format and the different views you offer. I am, as you are, a big enthusiast of open source to an extent where I would trade comfort for philosophy at times. However, I own an iPhone. This may shock you, but the main reason is that iPhones do not suffer from a lack of OS updates as much as the Android devices do. I bought my iPhone 5S with iOS 7, and I'm now running iOS 9 without any performance degradation. I think your comment regarding a lack of OS updates for the iPhone was not entirely true. As far as I know, an iPhone will survive more OS updates than the average Android device. Thanks for the great show. Warm regards, Wolfgang. Um, okay, Wolfgang, I'm going to take issue with you. You have a 5S, which is a relatively uh, uh, recent uh, phone. Go try to grab uh, an iPhone 4 or an iPhone 3G. Uh, and and throw anything new on that. They get abandoned uh, at about the same rate as Android devices do by Android. Okay, so Google keeps uh, binaries around for these things for a while. Manufacturers, on the other hand, who and and phone companies who are responsible for pushing out these things may not. So you, if you're going to compare apples to apples, you got to make sure you're you're comparing apples to apples. That's uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, the what 5S is now the third oldest iPhone, so it's not super new, but yeah, it's not terribly old. But the one thing with the Android, um, don't you have the ability, if you so desire, to root it and go with a, a Cyanogen or something like that and get more functionality out of it? I'm asking. Uh, if if somebody has taken the time to write a rooting uh, yep. software. Which, yeah, if you know, try to do available. that to an Apple. Go ahead, Chris, you first. I said, if there's a route available, um, sometimes you don't get so lucky. Right. And, of course, Apple, uh, can some of them can be jailbroken, but they're actively working against that. Um, the, the Nexus devices have all been very root-friendly. Please, please root us. Here's a one-click mm-hmm. way to do it. But the one-click has never come from Google. They, they, it's not something they endorse. It's something they allow more freely. Right. Same thing with the HTCs and the Motorola's. As long as you're getting them from uh, outside of the carrier as an unlocked device, 
Yeah, it's the... Actually, this goes really nicely into the topic that we're going to talk about with uh, where the whole Internet of Things. Cell phones are more and more becoming Internet of Things devices in that, mm -hmm. you know, not only do they have to have a connectivity to work, but they have to have the blessing of their carrier or of their original manufacturer to work. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But first, uh, Brian writes in with some breaking news. Mark, Seth, and Chris, it's been an age since I wrote, but I'm still out there listening, and I still have a submission, and I have a submission for a new segment of the podcast, and he sends us to a, a site that I'll link in the notes from uh, NOAA.gov, a huge technological advance at a government agency. The NOAA National Weather Service will stop using all caps in its weather forecasts. <laughs> They've uh, been trying funny. for 20 years to do this and it's taken 20 years so you know the the wheels of tech do turn uh, as long as somebody throws some wd-40 on them occasionally <laughs> but yes software upgrades to the computer systems that forecasters use to produce weather predictions called AWIPS 2 uh, advanced weather interactive program processing system are allowing for the change to mixed case letters but um news media will still have the opportunity to do things in all caps for like warnings and stuff you know like i could see a tornado warning you know warning there's a tornado outside your house all caps would be the equivalent <laughs> of shouting and that might be a little more important maybe uh yeah i would say it's a good start at least back in the in the olden times when there was a single uh typeface where you didn't have the option to kern where you didn't have the option uh, to choose serif or sans serif, where where there was a typewriter or a teletype device, a typewriter connected to something else, all caps was the most legible way to do things. It, yes. there's you're not going to confuse uh, a capital I with a lowercase L if they're all uh, capitals. You're you're it's the it's the best way to do it. But today we have so much better options for um, font display that it's harder to read all caps. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it, they just it took them a while to make that jump. And also, if you think, remember, these were mechanical devices. And so every letter that was used was a separate piece. Right. So to have an uppercase A and a lowercase A, that's two pieces. You doubled the so, complexity. Exactly. And you exactly. add the space. So, you know, by making it only caps, you simplify the machine, you simplify the production costs, you simplify the maintenance. So something that when it was expensive and these type of machines, like this is the kind of work my dad did was repairing teletypes and things like that, you know, and for his generation, he had a whole, he had an entire career doing that. So, you know, knowing that there's only 26 possible letters instead of 52, you know, means less parts the technicians carried because it wasn't like, oh, we'll order a new one. It'll be in, in two weeks. It's like, uh, this has to be down. We're losing hundreds of dollars for every hour. This is down. So they had, you know, a parts, they carried their parts in the back of the truck. And so they needed things. So the fewer parts that were there, the better. So it was a product of its time. It was great, but yes, technology has moved on. Yay. Technology. And if you're Noah, you're not losing money. You're potentially losing lives. Right. If your machine yeah. is down for a day. So it or makes sense. not not just lives, but whole you know cargo ships and and who knows what else. Right. So uh, yeah, it's fun to make fun of them, uh, but it, good on them for doing it right. Actually, for taking the twenty years and not just you know deciding by fiat we're going to make this change and risking somebody's life, risking uh, loss of billions of dollars. Uh, so they did it slowly. They did it right. Uh, you know, sometimes the right way to do things is the slow way to do things, uh, and uh, you know. They're a government agency, so it's it's kind of surprising that they would do things right. But it seems, in this case, like they did. Well, at least they took the time to do it right. I, I'll, I'll give them that much. Okay. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're making a big deal over something that's, you know, it, it's fun to talk about, but really in the grand scheme of things, what does it matter? It probably doesn't matter much. Well, but. Seth, the problem is we always have trouble filling uh, time on this show. It's always such a struggle to to eke out thirty five <laughs> or forty minutes. We need everything we can get. So, uh, you know, give us some slack here. Okay. So uh, we'll get to some news in a little bit, and if we don't, uh, that'll be the next show 
that we record later on tonight. Um, but first, let's talk about this uh, uh, article that Seth uh, drew up. He's he's calling it, I Thought I Owned the Internet. It's from IG, IDG Connect. Uh, and it's, uh, it's almost, one might say, a rant uh, about the fact that the Internet of Things um, erases the lines of ownership. So, Seth, I'll let you give a quick summary of it, and then we'll discuss from there. Okay, and it is a blog post, so it's not really technically a news story. This is more like an editorial piece. And, um, you know, first of all, they reference, can I say the name of this Twitter account, Mark? I know we're a family-friendly show. I'll have the bleep at the ready. Sure. Okay. Um, It's at Internet of Shit. And (laughs) go read the Twitter feed because it is the best take on the internet of things that you will find anywhere on the internet. Um, and so he makes the point that you're going to spend all of this money. And, you know, he talks about, for example, Nest thermostats. You can buy a regular thermostat that he, that controls your home, or you can even buy a programmable one and it will last, you know, until it breaks, the house burns down or you move or whatever. Or you can get a smart one that you can control over the internet until Alphabet, which bought Nest and, you know, that's the parent company of Google decides that, hey, uh, in May of 2016, so this month, they're going to basically brick some of their devices. And it's not that it will still function. It's like you can't use it anymore. So you pay to own a device that you've, um, that you can no longer use because it's an internet of things. Now this goes well to them. They get service revenue, but you could have just bought a regular thermostat and had it last for years. But now you're up, it's up to the whim of whatever company and say your company is going to be around forever, but they get bought out next week. And then the company, at the bottom says, ah, oh, we don't want to mess with that stuff anymore. We're killing it. But anyway, and Nook also, um, whenever they kind of, change some of their business and their buy and their press release was we want to make sure our customers have access to the vast majority of the things they've already purchased. Well, <laughs> they purchased those books. They should have rights to them, but instead they're not going to have them anymore. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so the internet of things reduces your ownership. And I mean, if you're a lot younger than us, you probably don't care, but if you're our age or older, you want to own something. You know, I like books. I buy books so I own the book versus I have a Kindle and I put it on the Kindle. And as long as Amazon doesn't pull it uh, for some reason, you know, they're not going to give me my money back because they pulled a book. They're just all of a sudden you're not going to have it anymore. Um, so the Internet of Things takes away your ability to own things. Um, it's great for a service industry, an industry that wants consistent revenue, but it's bad for you owning something you spent money on that's kind of his point so take it away mark so i I, my take is i i agree with almost every point uh that he made uh made 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 uh adam rowe uh from idg connect uh he's right in that internet of things uh the, the whole concept of that erases the concept of ownership but i don't think there's anything we can do about it that horse is out of the barn that that it there there's no going back once you've had you know a connected refrigerator i i assume you you always <laughs> want a connected refrigerator uh things like the amazon echo and the new uh google home uh these things are uh moving us more in that direction and, and i go back he mentions drm where you know the first time somebody threw DRM on something, as as Stallman likes to call it, digital restrictions management, um, it you you no longer were an owner. Uh, once you once you put DRM on it, uh, and you could go all the way back to macrovision encoding on tape decks. Uh, yep. l- look it up, kid. Uh, videotapes. Uh, that's a thing. That that was the DVD before the DVD. You had to rewind them. Oh, the horror. Um, and they they. Manufacturers started putting a macrovision chip in the a, a, a device, and it would scramble. It, it would. It's it's really it was kind of backwards. The chip would scramble something that wasn't uh, encoded, so it doesn't. It wasn't an unscrambler. the The data on the tape was unscrambled, but it had a signal in it 
that if it was not, if the signal was not present, it would scramble. So it, anybody with any hardware savvy could just pop that chip out and you could do anything. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, it goes way back, uh, all the way back to, um, you know, the, the, the tape, the videotape, Microsoft in the software world, they, they weren't the first to do it, but they were the sort of the, the first big ones to do it, to pioneer the concept of leasing software, leasing the right, purchasing the right to, to use software. They were the first, uh, at least in my, um, rough uh, revisionist history to say that you're not buying the software. You don't own this. We own this. You're buying the right to use it, the limited right to use it. You can use it when we say, where we say, and how we say. And if at any point you don't do that, we can prosecute you for using this, the thing that you purchased. And so the the concept is decades old now and not going anywhere. Yeah, it's pretty much the genie's out of the bottle. We're kind of stuck with it. The only other way around it is to use either products that don't have this thing or uh, you know or make your own so you don't have to worry about it exactly the 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 way to not be stuck by drm is to never buy somebody else's software to write your own or to become a part of a community that writes its own open source Mm -hmm. Uh, or to never buy taylor swift's music ever and some people may think that's a fine idea, but that's just an example I came up with. Never buy Metallica's music. Never buy, uh, you know, the Eagles' music. Never buy Justin Bieber's music. And never buy anybody's music because it's it's DRMs now. It just is. You can't buy it without that. Uh, you, they're not selling it on ta- on cassette tapes anymore, which were never DRM'd. Um, uh, CDs, I guess, technically were never DRM'd, but they were uh, they they were not the universal copy standard either. You had to you had to use some software to get it from one to the other. But anyway, my point is, the the only choice is to make your own or to to crowdsource. And so, if you want to crowdsource a Nest thermostat, that's certainly possible. It's certainly doable. But you've got to somebody's got to have the initiative to set up the service to 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 crowdsource this thing to be able to control, uh, you know, to sense your your devices and and ag- aggregate them and control them. And then you've got to trust the 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 cloud. You know, now you're not trusting the company. You're trusting, you know, thousands of anonymous individuals uh, all scattered all over the Internet. So either way, uh, it's kind of a, 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 a no-win situation. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those things. What are we going to do now? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I was like, I was born 100 years too late, I guess, because I... I hate the concept, and unfortunately, that puts a nail in the coffin, everybody. I hate it, so it's going there. But it's, I, I don't see the point in, well, that's the problem. I just, I don't see the point in all of the internet of things, the internet of crap that's out there. It's just a way to, it's not like saying, do we need this? It's just like asking, can we do it? Not even should we do it? It's like, hey, let's, you know, I want a an internet programmable commode that I can I can flush over the internet because I might have forgotten to or my kids you know and then I can have the sensor that senses the odor and if the parts per million in the air of ammonia or whatever rises then I can flush the commode uh I, I, I don't know that. I just I, yeah, I, we, I have kids I need that yeah me yeah too. Well, you just described the product I would buy yeah, that's our million dollar idea world. You know, send the royalty checks to uh, whatever PayPal address Mark has on the website. Um, I just, but we we don't need this stuff. It's just an opportunity to, you know, turn our brain off and just allow the, you know, it's Skynet beta version two or something. Okay, I knew you were going to go this way, which is why I brought up earlier the the fact that your cell phone falls into this category. Uh, because this, the phones that we have now, going all the way back, kids, to the days when you had a telephone hanging on a wall connected with a cord, ask your parents, um, you didn't buy the phone. You leased the phone from the phone company. AT&T would charge you a rental fee for the phone. It was their phone. They owned it. You didn't own it. And my and- dad still leases a phone. He won't listen to me about <laughs> not doing it. <laughs> I was like, you could buy this thing at Sears or Walmart for like $10 bucks. and you spend that much a month. Yeah, but if it breaks, they'll fix it for me. We'll go get another one. Yeah. Uh, Precisely. 
so the we we made that turn from from DRM to to buy your own. But the the thing that you buy yourself serves no purpose unless you have a monthly service. Uh, and and right. you could call that Internet of Things 1.0 or or beta. Uh, so it it's a device that only serves a purpose if you have it connected to a service that you continually pay for. Um, Seth, your toilet also <laughs> qualifies unless you live uh, uh, in the country and pump your own water out of the well. And those of us who are silly, city dwellers, our toilets serve no purpose unless we subscribe to a service and pay them monthly uh, to to get that service. So it's not a it's not a new concept. It's not um, it's it is you know what it's always been. It but some reason when we stick internet on it, it seems more egregious. Well, and, you know, not just the, you know, when you add the Internet of Things, you can also add services online. How many of us would be hurting if Dropbox went away? Or, like, when my beloved copy.com turned up its doors and went away? Um, it, it happens more and more often with software than it does with hardware. So, the it's the way the world is running, I guess. If none of people are on it, it's going to go away. Look at Wave, and I mean, how other, how many other Google services have been killed the same way that they're doing Nest and and things of that sort? Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's true, and we don't have. We can complain and not do anything else, but I hate it. Um, Mark, you raised some good points I had not considered, um, <laughs> but I just I. I don't, you know, I, if I buy, it's one thing to rent and, you know, I see the commercials for rent a center on TV and I just like, you stupid people go buy it and save the money so you can buy it and you end up spending half versus, you know, the rent to own agreements. But yeah, we do it with any device that is an internet of things, um, Yay, just let's throw money away, people, because we obviously don't, we obviously have so much we don't know what to do with it. So we will throw it away to everything on the internet that wants us to send them a little money every month. And, and what we, how do we mitigate that, right? So in the case of, you know, my toilet, uh, you mitigate that by uh, laws saying you can't live in the city limits without having water. If you if you have no water service, you get a fine. Your your property can be condemned. You'll be forced to move out. Do we want a law saying that we have to have a Nest service connected to our thermostats? Uh, that's that's Ooh. the direction we're headed, right? It's a scary thought. Uh, there are places there are uh, places that have covenants where you must have a fire a, a burglar alarm and it must be monitored. Mm -hmm. It's not a law. It's a covenant within the HOA or within the neighborhood, but it's the same sort of thing. It's a service that you must pay in order for your, your device to work. Uh, so it's the Internet of Things is only new because it's Internet. Uh, we have right. the model, and it's been around for decades. Yeah. Um, it's... I don't know. It's, it's it's a much more wide ranging discussion than just Internet of Things because you know, and there were going back to the burglar alarms. I remember uh, I won't name the name of the city, but they in and this has been years ago, but they enacted a city ordinance that says if you don't have your burglar alarm monitored, we will not respond to it. So, you know, you could have it, but if you didn't, and I don't, I don't know if it was monitored or if you didn't have a permit for it, maybe it was, you had to have a, a permit that of course costs money. You pay to have it put in and then you pay to, for it to be monitored, even though it's already monitored by when they were put in. And there were places that got broken into and the police didn't respond because they didn't have the permit for it. You know, even though that's their job to protect and serve, or at least that's might not be their job, but that's what they put on their cars. But because you don't pay us extra money, you know, we understand you pay your taxes and all of that. But since you didn't pay us extra money, we're just not going to respond to the burglary. Um, it, it's that's the same mindset that's going on. And it's one step away from isn't this cool to, you know, oh, shame on you. You don't have it versus you don't have it. Now what you're doing is breaking the law. It's a slippery slope again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a slippery slope no matter which way we go with it. 
so my wife is a fan of Microsoft Publisher. I've never been a fan of Publisher. It's it's okay. It's fine. But one of my biggest complaints about Publisher is it nothing is compatible with it, including Publisher. Uh, right. If right. you have Publisher 2016, it's not going to open a Publisher 2012 document. It's just not. Um, and and that's, I guess, by design. But anyway, she's she's a teacher. She does weekly newsletters or monthly, depending on the scenario. And she's always gentleman publisher. Well, just this last, um, uh, I don't know, two or three months ago, she ran into a situation where new computer uh, couldn't open old publisher document something that effect i forget exactly what the details were but it ended up being oh yeah the 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 one computer in the house that publisher was on that's what it was uh, isn't working anymore it's nine years old and it was having problems that day because i'm too cheap to go buy a new one uh so she she had to do a uh a newsletter because like you seth she waits till 12 hours uh before it's due uh and so i the only choice was to put publisher on a new uh, device on, on one of our other laptops in the house. So I went and grabbed the Publisher 97. Yes, that's how old it is. Um, wow. DV, uh, CD, not even a DVD, CD. And Windows 10 said, <laughs> and so that didn't happen. So I was forced with a thing, either have an angry wife. You know, I could go pull up um, uh, some open source equivalent. I can't even think of one off the top of my head right now. Uh, uh, yeah, I know of them. I just can't think of them. Anyway, I could go yeah. pull up one of those and say, here, honey, this is just as good. Learn it. Spend 10 hours learning it and then go do your, your news uh, uh, letter and I'll see you in the morning. Well, in the morning, I would see that the locks had been changed on the doors is what would have happened there. Right. So, <laughs> so I was forced to buy Microsoft Publisher, the most recent version. I chose to do their Office 365 version, 10 bucks a month. Instead of fifty dollars up front, uh, or or more, I don't know. So in the end, I'm going to lose money on that deal because I'm buying yep. it every month. My idea was, uh, I'll buy it for you know three months. When school's out, I'll stop paying for it for three months, and then I'll start paying again when school starts. Uh, that was my idea. Realistically, I'm not going to remember to do that. Uh, yeah, so no I'm one ever up, does. I'm going to end up paying more for this subscription service that that is now software that I no longer own. I'm I'm renting from Microsoft, and it is as Seth, like you're saying, it's a total Internet of Things thing. Because not only am I paying a license fee like I did for the original Publisher 97 that I bought, but now I have to be connected to the Internet every time you fire it up. It does a dial home to check. And uh, if it expires, it's month to month, right? So if if it if it expires on the thirtieth of the month, and I don't have internet access on the first of the month, it's no longer useful to me because it can't dial home and check out, and it assumes that it's expired. So there's I have just got on this merry-go-round that that you're decrying because it was the path of least resistance, and I think that's what we're running into. We're lazy. I am lazy. Uh, and, and we don't want to do, we want to do the thing that is the easiest thing to do, regardless of whether or not it's the best thing to do. See, I was just going to ask you, Mark, why didn't you just VM it? You could have VM that machine and boom. You, you have a wife, right? You, yeah. You, you want to, uh, would you sit, would your wife sit by and say, give me 30 minutes to fire up, uh, uh install VMware on this machine or, or whatever and set up a VM because I got to go get my Windows, uh, uh, XP or seven or whatever image. And I've got to do that. So I've got to image the new VM. Uh, and then I've got to set up that. And then, okay, when you want to launch it, you first launch this and then you launch this and then you go there. And then it's almost as good as actually using the software, but not quite. How would that go over in your house? I've had her. I've had to do it before, so she would have been at least exposed to it once. <laughs> <laughs> she may not like it, but she had at least been. She would have at least yeah. tried it. I, I whipped out the credit card and paid him nine bucks. Yeah, and my wife was happy. Ironically, yeah. though, the new version of Publisher was so different. It was I might as well have given her an open source version because she had to relearn everything she already knew anyway. You should have just installed the open source version and said, this is the new publisher. And she <laughs> never would have known. There's a chance. 
but it wouldn't open her, her old files anyway. So even the new one didn't open her old stuff. She was starting over from scratch. That's that's a whole different point. Uh, but uh, that's I, I just did what Microsoft wants me to do. Seth, I am mm-hmm. leasing a phone from the phone company. I'm going to pay them over the next three years $400 for this copy of, of Publisher. Yes, it'll get updated. I'll get updates every year as they update. But I'm going to continue to pay for 48 months, $10 a month. I'm going to pay $480 over four years for this software Oof. that I could have bought for 50 or 60 bucks. And okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, let's talk about that for a second. You said, but I'm going to get the updates. Well, here's something. If you deal with a large company, you know they rush crappy updates to deliver new features for this to justify it. And then it's not till the second or third iteration of that crappy new feature that it just becomes not crappy and no longer new, but just a feature. So you are not only are you paying them money, you are paying them for the privilege of beta testing their software. It is, I need to develop some software and get people to pay me to bug test it. That That's what I need to do. So, you know, for all the people who tout the um the new f- the the theoretical new features um i remember um when the much maligned microsoft vista came out there was the vista ultimate edition that microsoft was going to like release games for that you can only find on the ultimate edition well like two months before they canceled it they finally released like one game so they could have done it you know but it was the promise of that justified the price and but the promise never showed it just became nothing so anyway i just wanted to then that's not to you because you already know that that's Mm -hmm. to the argument that the people screaming at us because we're not being fair um (laughs) is saying so i just wanted to throw that out there you're absolutely right. I am now a paid uh, a beta tester. No, a paying beta tester. I'm not paid. I'm paying. Um, well, that, but that's, that's a true statement. Also, the way the world is working too. Um, either you're a paying beta tester, or you're a, you know, beta tester for the fact that you want to, you know, inflict large amounts of pain and suffering upon yourself. Mm-hmm. And in the open source world, we're all beta testers all day too. That's mm-hmm. that's entirely true as well. So th- I guess there's no way around that. That's the but, cage that you're going to be in no matter what. But that doesn't cost you $10 a month. Uh, true. You know, true. so, you know, you understand, hey, this is free software. And one of the trade-offs is sometimes the features don't work right. I can understand that. But I'm paying for this crap. It needs to not be crap. That is not something that the software deliverers seem to take into account ever. Scribus, that's the one that I was thinking of. That is the open source-ish equivalent of of publisher, kind of. A little. <laughs> it's more like page maker than publisher. But anyway, um, so th- this whole Internet of Things thing, we, we've taken the software model that is sort of the demon we know. We don't like it, but we, we've made our peace with it over the last 30 years, and now we're moving that into hardware. But as I pointed out earlier, it's it's not a new model. We're we're just now calling it internet, and now it's you know your thermostat and your whatever things that. The thing about the phone is it has never worked without a service. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was walkie-talkie. It was two-way radio. It was it was uh, CB radio uh, before that. But the phone itself, the telegraph, going all the way back then, has never worked without an intermediary. Now we're taking something. That used to work, your thermostat, without an intermediary, and grafting an intermediary onto it and getting minimal value and maximum headaches. That's yeah. where we illustrate how stupid we are. And because we're okay with that, there's no impetus for them to change. It's like, uh, hey, y'all, let's let's deliver better value to our customer. Why? They're paying us anyway. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the sad way of life at the moment. You know, I've uploaded all my music to Google Music. I did that years ago. Uh, so now, anytime I listen to music, I, I'm depending on Google. I do have that CD carousel of hundreds of CDs I can always go back to if I need to. In fact, it is still shrink-wrapped from the last time I moved four years ago because <laughs> I haven't needed a CD because it's all in Google. Um, right. But that's, that point is still there. I've, I've, inter- I've introduced an intermediary service voluntarily 
because it gave me minimal value. And, and that's what we keep doing. And eventually we're going to be hooked on, you know, it's going to be a, a drug scenario where eventually you can't get by without the, your refrigerator being connected to the internet, even though it's kind of a silly thing to connect your refrigerator to the internet 10 years from now, it'll be silly not to have one connected to the internet. Right. Yeah. And and there's the unintended consequences, like you uploaded all of your stuff to Google. Well, now you're dependent on the network to bring you stuff, but you're also incurring um, data usage sure. and has more and more ISPs moved to a, a data cap model because that's not their service. They're going to charge you data. And so you're paying for your music twice in a sense, yeah. as opposed to I bought it, I can listen to it whenever I want. It's like I bought it, I can listen to it whenever the network's up and I want don't want to watch anything else um, on the internet this month. And interestingly, Google is in, 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 uh, encouraging that. If they're already having to pay the bandwidth and the server fee, they're already doing that, they might as well serve me music that they can get ad revenue on. So right. in the last few updates of Google Play, you have to actively tell it to only play music in your library. Used to be you say, you know, voice command, okay, Google, play some music. It would go to your library and pick a, a random smart mix. Now, even if you go to your library and do instant mix, it'll start with something in your library and start moving in stream things. They say that's about discovery. But the, the reality, I think, is there's licensing contracts for that stuff and nothing for what you already have in your library. And if they're going to have to, to pay for the bandwidth and pay for the server space anyway, they might as well force feed you the license stuff. It's getting harder and harder. And I expect, oh, you know, probably three or four years from now, it will be uh, a very deliberate act to play your own music out of Google Play Music. Well, no, eventually it just won't be your music anymore. It I will don't think that'll be, be the case. I mean, hey, you know, you, you all of a sudden the sermon stat you've been using isn't going to work uh, anymore okay. because they want to push the new model. Hey, all that music you uploaded to us, you have until 10 minutes from now to download it all before we turn off those servers. And that's what Apple does with their with their music match service. Uh, they they uh, identify your music and then you never play your own file. And and people complain about that. I have a rare version of this live song and I can't, you know, when when it matched it, it went and got the you know, the radio play, the version that everybody has, and I've now deleted it from my hard drive because I trusted it was in the cloud, and I don't have it anymore. That that's partly your fault for deleting it. There are some people who say that uh, Apple is deleting it for them. I, I'm, the the evidence is dubious about that, but your point is still valid. Yeah. Um, assuming I didn't have hundreds of CDs still you know in storage, I would lose that music if Google went away. And that's yeah. a that's a risk I run. Absolutely. Well, and, and like I say, they don't even have to go away. They can just make the decision that right. they're not going to they're going to depreciate that particular product they offer. Mm -hmm. and, and there was can, there, I'm sorry, there was never any reason for them to do that. The whole point of them was they, they were playing the long game, getting you used to going to Google for your music. All while in the background, they're they're making deals with music providers, knowing that someday they're going to flip that switch. And right now it's a knob. And it's going, you know, 20% your stuff, 80% somebody else's stuff. And they're turning that knob down slowly over time till eventually it's, it's one slash 99, 1% your stuff, 99%, that sort of stuff. So it was the, you know, five or six years ago, whenever they did that, they were playing the long game saying, let's get people accustomed to playing their music through Google. Uh, am I giving yep. them too much credit? Uh, no, they, they, you know, that is somebody's job at every big company like that. How can we bleep the customer today? And that is probably a, uh, a C level position. The, the customer bleeper, vice president, <laughs> customer bleeper. Um, Chris, what do you think? Did, is I, my know, scenario two tinfoil hat? Okay. It, we're having some I'm sorry, really bad we were talking over Say that again. Is my scenario two tinfoil hat or do you think I'm on the money there? I think you're right on the money. I honestly do. Uh, Google is in a way of getting money and finding a way to make money off of what the services you're using. And it's kind of, kind of just right up their boat to, to do what they're doing. And if, and if they get the money, then they get the money. 
you know, Google it's, uh, has always been a, uh, big about training their, their clientele to do things differently. You know, the, anybody with a Gmail account that has been using that regularly who sits down at Outlook goes, wait a minute, but this is not how I email. But it used to be how you emailed. It was, it was, it was Google that changed your habits. Uh, and so I think that, I think that is a, um, I don't know if it's a, a customer bleeper, as Seth says, but it, it, there's definitely long-term planning that goes on there. How can we train our users to do things our way so that in the future we can make money off of that? People were asking, how are they making money off of giving us free storage in the cloud to store our music? Well, it took a while, but now this is how they're making their money. Mm-hmm. And if and you've got honestly, a few billion I've in the been bank, buying you can play music that from Google game. for months now. Yeah, and honest, they don't want you to buy music. They want you to subscribe. You exactly. know, give us ten months, ten bucks a month for the rest of your life, versus buy this CD whenever you want it. Because that way, it just becomes automatic, and you don't have to consciously decide to buy something. So, if you're somebody who loves music and you know listens to it all the time, and you want this one, and then you want that one, and you want thirty seconds of this and ten seconds of that then, hey, $10 a month is probably a good deal for you. But if you're somebody that is just content with the genre that's playing on the radio, then it's very stupid mm-hmm. to do. Um, but I guess, you know, that talks about contentment, and that's one of those bad words these days. So I forget what the, the name of it is. There's a Just like there are uh, uh, terms for arguments that people use, the straw man or the reductio ad absurdum, there, there, there are words for marketing terms, and I forget what this one is called, but it's the offering an option that doesn't matter, that doesn't actually play into the decision to make things look more appealing. And and so going back to my Microsoft publisher thing, I got all of Microsoft Office on up to five machines, but I wanted publisher on one machine. I paid for it for publisher on one machine. And so there, there's this hand-waving over here that says, look, you can get a whole suite on up to five machines for only $10 a month. Well, that sounds like a good deal, but that's not what I wanted or needed. I don't have mm-hmm. Office on any of my other machines. I use OpenOffice, and I'm happy with OpenOffice or LibreOffice, depending on which device it is. Uh, so this hand-waving over here that makes things seem like a good deal, like you know the uh, the New York Times, uh, you can pay $9.99 a month for the online service or uh, uh, $35 a month for the print service, but if you buy online and print, it's only $10. Well, I never wanted the print. All I wanted was online, but now I've given you an extra dollar to get the paper delivered that I didn't want in the first place. Um, that those numbers were made up, but that, that sort of thing happens all the time. We give you this, this unnecessary decision making thing that doesn't, doesn't play into what you were going to do anyway. And we fall for it. And I can't, I can't say that in my case that went into it, but there are a lot of people who bought Microsoft Office 365 so that they could put it on five computers when they only own three. But hey, it's a good deal. I can put it on five computers. It's on sale. Right. And it's on sale. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that a lot of people don't really truly need that much office. No. I don't. That's why I only have it on the one machine and only because my wife wanted happy wife, happy life. <laughs> and that $120 a year to have a happy wife, totally worth paying it. So, yeah. So try for your anniversary. Say, honey, I, I renewed Office 365. Happy anniversary. <laughs> That would be suicide. And, and, you know, I talked about canceling it for three months and then starting it up. I would be willing to bet more money than I have that when I tried to start it up, it would say, oh, sorry, that was just a one-time sign-up deal. You had it and you turned it off and now it's $60 a month. Sorry. Yeah. That's how the cable happen. Yeah. That's how Dish Network and, and, and uh, uh, DirecTV do it. You get this great deal, but only for first-time signups. And if you cancel and come back, nope, nope, you don't get that deal anymore. Anyway, we, we have the horse is truly beaten, well and truly dead. Uh, but it was an interesting thought experiment on, you know, is the Internet of Things really destroying ownership, or are we willingly giving up ownership and have been doing so since the 60s? I would say we already did. Hello, our robot overlords. I'm Chris. <laughs> Even the people who, who are uh, diehard like Seth, I want to own things. You use things every day that you don't own. But the, the marketing companies were so good at that, you didn't notice them before. 
Yeah, I mean that's I you know it's it's like I don't want to do the whole you know get a new phone every year because I don't care. Um, it's like I bought my phone, I own the phone, and now I just I rent the service. I don't want to rent both the phone and the service. Exactly. Um, I bought my computer. I don't want to rent the phone, the service, and the computer, and the office suite, and the operating system, and all that crap. So uh, you know, it's like leave me alone. Uh, get off my get off digital my lawn. lawn. Well, that's why you know Microsoft in the in the say in the academic world, something I can speak about is the the Microsoft. Uh, um, oh, I'm blanking on what it's called the the academic license agreement where you get everything again. You get all our OSs and all our servers and all our uh, uh, office suites and everything for one low fee every year, and and eventually you just I, mean, I know I mean when I was in that business, it was actually it would have been malpractice for me not to have bought Microsoft. Because when you're looking at budget from year to year, it was it was cheaper than even doing open source alternatives in many cases, because open source alternatives uh, came with other baggage, um, extra training baggage, uh, you know, conversion, the, the, the time spent uh, converting from one system to another. When you add all that up, it's malpractice not to use the Microsoft uh, client access license set up the the multiple uh, uh i can't i can't microsoft academic something i've been away too long yeah but anyway i can't think uh, of it either i'm sure they have the same thing for businesses and at some point that they're okay with taking you know nine dollars a month from you they're okay with drastically quote unquote discounting that's what they say it's a discount it's not really a discount because if they've hooked you for years you've made the money it, well, it, it can't be a discount if they want you to do it yeah, it's not a discount if nobody pays the regular price. You know, if you walk into any store, yes, this couch is on sale for 80% off retail. But wait a minute, it's the same price as every other thing that's 80% off retail. It's, it's that, it's like you think you're getting a bargain. It's psychology. Uh, I can't remember the guy, the psychologist who went to work in advertising. I can't remember his name, but if I develop time travel, I might go back and shoot him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it's his fault we do this. Right. Uh, I was, I, I may have told this story before. I, uh, I went into a jewelry store one time to buy something for my wife, and the guy was like, hey, this is 50% off. And, uh, and I put the gauntlet down. I said, you find me one thing in this jewelry store that is not 50% off, I'll buy it right now. And dude was like, whoa, cha-ching. And he looked around, looked around, looked in this case, <laughs> looked in that case, went in the back. He said, I got nothing, brother. <laughs> Everything That's in the store awesome. was 50% off. 50% off of what? 50% off twice as much as it's marked right now. Yep. That's Going out of business for the 17th year in a row. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, uh, we're not going to do any news. We're at an hour already. We'll save the news uh, for later. But first, we have uh, Seth has to tell us what happened this week in history. Okay. This week was a banner day for historical nuggets. I I just got to say that the last week in May, I guess this is like when, you know, school's about to end so Term everybody's got to pub publish their products and stuff. But uh so I found this doozy May the 24th, 1961, MIT's West Clark begins work on the Link computer. Link stands for Laboratory Instrument Computer at MIT's Lincoln Laboratory. His plan was to create, get this, a computer for biomedical research that was easy to program and maintained and that could be communicated with while it operated and it could process biotechnical signals directly. Um, building on his previous computer experience, uh, he was finally able to do it, but um, Wes Clark is somebody we should think for how unbad the modern computing process is. It's still not great because, you know, every OS sucks, every computer sucks. We've demonstrated that time and again on the show. But Wes Clark really got the ball moving into a computer that you could use and that you didn't have to have a degree from MIT to program. So we can thank him. That happened this week in history, 1961. I hadn't even thought about that, but somebody had to think of the process of concurrency because in 1961, you, you had your card stack of punch cards. You went into the, the machine, you fed it in, and then you waited and nobody did anything else. You could only feed in one thing. So you programmed it. Then you waited for the output and he thought, Hey, 
How about something you could talk to while it's working? Brilliant. But somebody had to come up with it. Now we think of it all the time. You know, that's not even multitasking, really. That's just, you know, being able to do um, input and output at the same time. Technically, I suppose that could be considered multitasking, but it's not what we call multitasking today. Uh, it never occurred to me that somebody had to think of that, but of yeah. course. It's the grandchild of multitasking. Yes. So, uh, you know, it's just tasking. <laughs> yes. So before it was just, it was, you know, fire and forget. This is like kind of the smart bullet that you can kind of change a little bit. But yeah, you know, today we look back and go, how could you not do this? But, you know, somebody had to invent the wheel before the right. car could show up. Um, I, I was watching an old episode of Star Trek just this week. It was the one where the they're down on the planet where the kids are 300 years old. And as soon as they hit puberty, they turn into monsters and die. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The grups know things. Uh, and it's funny. I was as I was watching it, uh, my kids were watching it with me. And um, I quoted that line before it happened. I said, grups know things. And then the guy said, grups know things. How did you know? <laughs> yeah, honey, I've seen this <laughs> many, many times. Um, but anyway, uh the in that show they were looking for spoiler alert by the way for something that's 65 years old uh, they were looking for the cure for this disease and they had to gather the data and send it up to the enterprise and the enterprise computer was going to crunch the data and they'd know in three or four hours and then they would send the data back uh well one of the plot points is the kids stole their communicators now they couldn't communicate up to the computer and so they were lost and the whole time i'm thinking this was supposed to be 300 years in the future but it was the future as as understood by 1965 by people who were still using punch cards. So that was amazingly high tech to be able to communicate things wirelessly up to a computer and in only three hours get your response. Where today, if we say, hey, Siri, and it takes more than three seconds, we're like, stupid iPhone. <laughs> or okay, if it Google. reads back the wrong thing. Okay, Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I've I've said that so many times. My again, my Moto X, Moto X is uh, you can set your own thing. And mine is listen up, Andrea. And when I do that, and it doesn't respond, I'm like, that's your one trick, Motorola. The one thing you're supposed to do, and you're not doing it. And then I'm reminded of Star Trek going, if we can only get those communicators, we might die because we've only got two and a half hours, and it's going to take the computer three hours to crunch the data. Computers don't take three hours to do anything anymore. I know if you're if you're a theoretical physicist, you might have programs that run days, but but these guys, no, they were just looking to to like do some lab tests. Uh, anyway, it just the future <laughs> is never what we think it is because we think of the future as like an accelerated present. Right. And three hours was an accelerated present, but we can never really know what the future is. That's why I, I pointed out all the times and in future shows made in the fifties, they're wearing aluminum clothes, but their phones have cords on them because we just couldn't imagine that back then. Sorry, I went on wow. a, an unnecessarily long rant there, but it happened. Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. So this is the part of the show box. where I will tell you how you can contact us. Uh, it's going to be a while. If you respond now, it's going to be about six weeks before you hear from us. But we do uh, want to hear from you. I want to have just a big backlog of listener feedback when we come back. Go to five. Uh, go to go to five five nine. I am Opie on your telephone and leave a voicemail, uh, and uh, and that'll work. Or you could go to elementopie.com, click the contact us button at the top of the page, uh, fill out the form there after answering the world's hardest captcha, and uh, send that uh, to me. That will go to my in basket. I will be reading emails. I will be responding to emails. Uh, uh, but we're going to be gone again for six weeks. So don't do don't say hey i'd like you to announce this uh show that is is in june 15th that's not going to happen so uh just know that that's not going to happen but we do appreciate hearing from you elementopi.com use the contact us button or just uh fire up your email browser uh, or say hey siri send an email or okay google send an email to geekrant at elementopi.com hey guys love the show uh, that that's the show geekrant at elementopi.com goes to all three of us and uh unless you think i am um censoring the guy's mail which i am by the way uh, so seth for the last time uh for a, this quarter at least for a little while tell us what you have to lower my productivity so that you look at like a better hiring option okay if you go to biglongnail.com and um has a door that you can open all righty then and then you can open it again and you can open it again. Or if you want to go the other way, you can close it. So <laughs> utterly it's, pointless. It's three levels deep. It's a door within a door within a door. Does it ever end? Have no. you gotten that far? No, but you can go back all the way to the beginning. 
Like it'll remember however many times you go and you can get back and close them all. I like the physics of it. You can open one halfway and then slam the other one into it and it'll close it. I, I like physics engines. So the fact that we can do this in a browser now, that's so impressive to me. It's amazing. I, and I mean, I'm, I got Chrome open here. Or maybe Fire. It's Chrome. Yeah. And I have a full-on physics engine. That again, that was one of those things that used to take weeks to calculate the way things interact. And now your browser can do it. What a world we live in. It's so amazing. All right, guys. Any words of wisdom for the summer? Uh, we will be back uh, again, as I said, in, in mid July. Any, wh- what you say now will be the last live thing they hear from us for six weeks. Make it good. Go ahead, Chris. Beware of sun and mosquitoes. and do the world a favor and pee before you go into the pool there you go life lessons from the element op network what about the ocean okay to pee in the ocean no one will know i mean already warm billions of tons of marine life do it all day every day is it still gross when a guy does it i'm asking for a friend (laughs) you know i mean that doesn't matter whatever floats your boat (laughs) i mean the fact is as soon as you wade into the ocean you're wading into urine that's a given right but is it still gross to pee in your own pants while in the ocean audience what do you say yeah they'll they'll get us more feedback than anything else probably (laughs) good chance of it because i don't know is it worthwhile to get out of the beach go back across the hot sand into the public bathroom, which probably hasn't been cleaned since the 70s, um, to, to drain the main vein, or should you just do it right there? I don't know. I would I'm say asking. as long as you're not doing it indecently, I would say you're yeah. all right. And and just make sure nobody you love is, like, standing immediately down current from you. <laughs> People again, you hate, that's okay. Yeah. How far is immediate? Because, you know, again, you've already waded into the ocean of urine. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Think of that the next time you get a old, get a big old mouthful of seawater. That is that is thousands of metric tons of whale urine right there. That's all that <laughs> or is. Other, where, or whale other. We'll just put it there. Go look up sperm whale. <laughs> oh, you went there. You had to go there. Of course I okay. did. Come on. I, you know, I can. <laughs> if we were the periodic table, this show would have been named, um, <laughs> you know, the urine rant. <laughs> uh, something like that. Um, I I have a story that I would tell, but it's not fit for consumption. So I'll tell it when we're not recording. So we'll see you in a few weeks, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us again. As always, you are the reason we do the show. We love doing it. We like hanging out with each other, but it would be a little silly if we if the, we didn't have a few thousand people listening to us. So uh, again, the best thing you could do for us, uh, donating money would be a great thing, but uh, donating uh, your friends is even better. Tell your friends about it. Tell your family about it. If you like what we do here, share it with others. If you don't like what we do here, why are you still listening? But seriously, if, if, if we bring you joy, might we bring joy to somebody you know? And I know it's daunting to say, hey, here's this great podcast I listen to. It's only an hour and a half long, sometimes two hours. Sometimes they go two hours and 15 minutes, but it's really good. These next few weeks are the perfect opportunity. We're putting out intentionally short shows. Good opportunity. Take the summer to introduce our podcast to your friends while we're putting out short shows. There you go. It's a win-win. <laughs> so we see you back in a few weeks. But for now, that ends this episode of The Key Rant. Rant.